Welcome to Lightning in a Bottle, a podcast series for owners and key stakeholders in privately held companies and the professionals that surround them. My name is Josh Pottinger, and together with Jason Georgianis, we run ATX Wealth Partners here at UBS. Jason and I have been teamed up now for over 20 years, and each of us has over 25 years of experience in the financial services industry. Our goal is to bring real-world perspectives to help you prepare yourself, your family, and your business for the day that you decide to monetize some or all of your ownership position in the company. Throughout this series, we will provide our own thoughts as well as interview key people along the way. Feel free to email us at atxwealthpartners at ubs.com. And with that, let's go ahead and get started. Hello, everyone. Josh Pottinger here. I'm excited to bring on our next guest. We've got James Jack. He's head of the UBS Business Owner Client Segment. James is not only a colleague, he's become a good friend of mine over the past few years as we've been uh, hanging out together at some different conferences and doing a lot of projects together. So James, like I said, he's the head of the Business Owner Client Segment team. And that role, UBS created that back in 2018. In my opinion, it's just really a testament to how the firm is really focused in on this specific segment and helping us as advisors out there, giving us the tools and the resources and the intellectual capital to be able to bring ideas and solutions to the table for business owners. So James, thanks for hopping on. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the invite. I appreciate being both colleague and friend. I made the jump. So I appreciate that. And I would agree. I'd say the same. I, I would consider you a friend as well. Yeah. Well, James, we've been talking a lot. We're always talking. But as Ross and I were knocking around some ideas, it just made logical sense. We should have the guy that's kind of running this segment here at the firm on the show. So I appreciate you uh, being a good sport here and hopping on with us today. So anyway, just to kind of kick it off here, just to give the listeners a little bit more information on you and your background. Maybe you can uh, just give us a quick kind of high level of where you've been, where you are, and where we're heading right now in this space. So my background, I'm from New Jersey. I live in New York City, though. I've lived in New York City for, it would be 20 years in September. So I've actually lived there longer than where I grew up. I went to NYU. But even though I'm a New Yorker, New Jersey guy, I'm an avid Red Sox fan. So you get a little sense of, I sometimes go my own way. <laughs> <laughs> Separately, been with UBS my entire career, 18 years as of a few weeks ago in the beginning of June, which is crazy. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a survivor. <laughs> so been here 18 years. I spent most of my time as a product developer and a strategist in our, our banking products and lending groups. So did a lot working on credit cards and lending products and cash solutions. And five and a half, six years ago or so, 2018, I was tapped on the shoulder by a colleague of ours who was starting this group called Strategic Client Segments. And we started with two segments. One was women and one was business owners. And she said, hey, I think you'd be really great to do business owners. And so since then, I've been just kind of building this out, working things through, connecting with a lot of advisors, really completely changed how I go about things because it used to be kind of Excel and PowerPoint in my own little cube. And now I'm out speaking with clients and advisors. It's a, it's a great, great job. It's fascinating. I love it. It's, I think I have the best job at the firm. Maybe you have the best. 
you know, I have the second best. <laughs> well, you're doing a good job. On a very serious note, you're doing a great job, you and the team there. I mean, anytime we have questions, looking for ideas, you guys are always there and super responsive. So the world of business owners is wide and vast, and it's impossible. You know, as I tell people, it's impossible to be an expert in every single area. So it's really critical to have people that can go narrow and deep in the space and having you in the, in the team there. I'm very grateful to that. So thank you for all, all the work that you guys do. Okay, well, so let's get into things here. So you have been traveling a lot lately. It felt like things sort of kicked off, maybe it kicked off before March, but that's when you and I were hanging out here in Austin for South by Southwest. And then you've been to several more cities since then. So the market, this year, the M&A market particularly, is a lot different than it's been the last few years. So, you know, the business owners out there, entrepreneurs, everybody's trying to read the tea leaves and figure out what the next best step is going to be. So you're talking to not only business owners and entrepreneurs out there, but also a lot of different advisors that are advising these very people, investment bankers, advisors like myself, accountants, value acceleration specialist. So if you think through 2023 year to date, you know, what are some of the top things you're hearing from these folks on both business owner side and then also the advisor side? Yeah, I've been fortunate to do a lot of travel. I travel a lot personally. I, I'm able to go do that and I have a big wanderlust and then, you know, a lot with our firm. I think coming out of COVID, a lot of people want to be with other people. They want to learn. They want to network. They want to connect. They want to see and touch people. There's just been a, an insatiable demand from our clients and our financial advisors to think about what's going on in the lower middle market and learn from folks like you and the resources of EBS. So I've been able to, to kind of be all over the place, whether it's specifically with UBS or my own personal travel or or even some conferences. Let's define real quick lower middle market. Where would you put that? So I would say the middle market in general is anywhere from $10 million of enterprise value to a billion or maybe a little bit more than that. So the lower middle market is $10 million of enterprise value to, you know, maybe 150 million or something kind of around those other sides. And I think where a lot of, you know, UBS financial advisors, and I think even your own team, Josh, you know, you guys are kind of even in within a subsegment of that, maybe 25 to 200, 300 million, you know, kind of straddle different spaces. So we're talking about that space because there's a lot of great business owners of all ages, shapes and sizes but predominantly baby boomers who've had these closely held family businesses for 10, 20, 30, 50 years, whatever it may be. And they're now at retirement age and beginning to think through what it means to exit. And that is creating wealth out of nowhere almost. Most of these folks have their money locked up in their business. Sometimes 70 to 80% of their assets is what's a common statistic that you might hear. And they're selling their business and then they're creating liquidity. How can we help those individuals think through what may be the most important financial event of their lives outside of marriage and children? So that's why we built the group and what we've been doing this last year or so going around around the country. I like to joke that I'm an evangelist for business owners. And so I'm like St. Paul on the road here going to, you know, all the different parts of the new world here 
to talk about what business owners are seeing and thinking. And so for business owners who are in it, who are looking to grow, looking to drive, you know, there's a lot of talk this year on talent and the war for talent, even though there's all this talk about technology layoffs and things like that, a lot of business owners in that lower middle market space are still struggling to get the right talent. So there's a lot of talk on that. And then then there's another subsegment of individuals who said, hey, I saw all this business sale or M&A activity in 2021. Now there's all these headlines about M&A activity slowing down where do I stand now? What should I do? And so we're thinking through those things. We've done some research. We'll talk a little bit about it, I'm sure. But the interesting thing is, is there's a lot to talk to business owners about because, you know, you mentioned business owners comes in all shapes and sizes. Everyone's interesting. Everyone's unique. And I love it because, you know, these are the folks who are building great stuff. They're, you know, setting up jobs, they're important parts to their community, and they're solving, you know, real problems of all shapes and sizes. So it's a blast to just be around these people and learn and and feed off of them. Right. Now, I think your actual question to me was what's going on in the environment, right? And so (laughs) let me go back to that. You know, I'll talk about what I want to talk about, I guess. But, (laughs) you know, I alluded to it a little bit is in 2021, there was just an exorbitant amount of activity in the M&A space in this middle market and above and beyond. The words for were unicorns and decacorns and who was going public on the technology side and private equity was buying all these companies. And there was just a lot of activity. It almost was like if you were breathing, if you had a pulse, you could sell your company back then. And I mean, I'm overstating it a little bit, but it, you know, part of that is as a result of there was a lot of pent up demand from 2020 because of the pandemic stopped activity. And then there was a lot of potential tax changes that ultimately they never came to fruition, but it it caused a lot of people to act. And so activity that would have happened maybe in 2022 moved up into 2021 so that it could be under what would have been a lower tax regime if those tax changes ended up coming through. Yeah, I remember that well. That was a crazy time. I mean, Q3, Q4 that year. I mean, it was so busy. Every advanced planner that I knew around the country was scratching their head going, what the heck? What are they going to do? The government, I mean, they were launching some pretty big bombs. They were like, you know, we're getting rid of this. We're getting rid of that. And it changed. It was one day it was this, and then the next day it was that. And so everyone was changing their tactics and So that created, I think, a huge year. And then you had a bit of a slowdown because you just kind of spent a little bit of it. And then you couple in some economic changes, which were the rising rates in 2022, maybe some uncertainty around the economy and technology also having just kind of more sizable changes. And so when you take all of those things, a high base and the activity moving through and and all those other economic changes, we've seen the numbers come down quite a bit. Now, that said, I tell a lot of business owners, particularly in this space, that, you know, the headlines are the headlines, but don't get distracted by them because, you know, when you don't have unicorns and decacorns, you know, businesses worth $10 billion going public in the technology sector, those drive significant dollar volume of M&A. And so, you know, there was just actually today, you know, we're at the end of June here, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal about how private equity deals 
have come down in size. I think there, it said the average was about like 65 or $66 million, which is, you know, it used to be twice that or, or, you know, more than that in the last few years. And that's because these deals are a little bit smaller as they're looking for excellence. They're looking for strong companies that have cash flow and that are in a bit more defensive sectors. They're outside of some of the technology whims around IPO. And I think, you know, you've spoken to other individuals on some of your other podcasts about the environment, but that's kind of where we're at right now. And so, yes, that creates some headline concerns. You know, should I go to market? Is this the right time? But alternatively, if you're a business in this space and this particularly you're a baby boomer business with a great strong business, a great track record, and maybe some great value to it, you know, I wouldn't be too concerned. I think there's still a great time to to think through a process, work with your advisor and your team of advisors. So not just a financial advisor, but accountants, attorneys, investment banker, you know, you name it, it's team sport and think about what your plan is. Right. You know, earlier this year, a couple things, you know, number one, back in March, when we were together here in Austin at South by Southwest, we did that fun little South by South mashup podcast episode where we loved that podcast interviewed a few of these founders and the energy level was fantastic i mean ebs did a what was the official deal? it was like a collab with ink magazine right we sponsored something with ink magazine they had what they call their founders house it's not technically part of south by southwest but it's all within the confines of the community around there and it had all these entrepreneurs over the first weekend of the festival People were out and about. There was a great vibe. You know, like I said, people want to be back together again. And then then the weekend got really interesting. Right. <laughs> it did. <laughs> yeah, with the whole Silicon Valley Bank stuff afterwards. Yeah. March was crazy, definitely. When we did that mashup, we talked to people that were just getting started, kind of in the middle of it, in the meat of growing their business, in the growth phase. We talked to some exited folks, you know. And, and you know, that's what one of the things I love about this space is that when you talk to business owners, I mean – there's these different phases of a business owner's life cycle. Obviously, you got your startup, you got your growth phase. I would say you have your value acceleration phase where you're kind of leading up, trying to accelerate up into that process. And then you have that during phase when you're actually going through the process of having an exit. And then you've got your life after. Would you add any other additional phases in there? Or how do you think about the different phases? And then also, I would ask, the different mindsets as far as exit planning. I think exit, the word exit, I feel like it's a little bit of a dirty word. It turns some people off. You know, it turns people off, right? And I know it's semantics, but I've evolved into, you know, rather than saying exit planning, it's just like, you know, monetizing, just monetizing some. Because in a lot of cases, particularly in our, I don't know, for whatever it's worth, I mean, in our world, it seems like a lot of the people that we talk to monetize some of the business by private equity, bringing in a private equity partner into the group to buy part of the ownership. They take a few chips off the table. And then that'll happen over time. It may happen multiple times. I mean, we have a client that was bought six different times. So I guess two questions for you, James. It's like, number one, like the different phases of the life of a business owner. And then secondly, like the different mindsets. Where am I? Am I even thinking about monetizing? What does that mean? So James, talk a little bit about sort of the life cycle of business owner. So like in my mind, I think about like the startup phase, the growth phase, the value acceleration phase, where you're trying to accelerate the value of that company so that before you start the process, so that you can 
you know, have it monetize at the maximize your event. And then you get the during phase and then you got sort of the life afterwards. So number one, which is like the different phases of the business owner life. And then secondly, the mindset, like we talked about exit planning and how that feels like a bit of a dirty word, you know, it's just sort of like, you know, people are, Ooh, exit. Like, I mean, no, I'm growing a company. Like I'm growing the company. I'm not even thinking about that. And in some cases they don't want to think about it because they don't want to jinx themselves. It might be bad juju. So let's talk about those two things particularly. On the last part about the term, you know, I think everyone's got their own view on it. Transition planning, exit planning, monetization, selling. So I think everyone's on their own journey. Exit planning seems to be the most common kind of one. So that's what I call it. But, you know, I I definitely, I get the point, Josh, on different advisors to use different words. and, And I think there's good reason for it. One of the things that the Exit Planning Institute says is that good exit planning is just good business planning. And I like that sentence just because it, it does try to get you into a different mindset versus you know what we just talked about. But yeah, it's tough because some people are not looking to exit. Some people are looking to monetize. They want to stay with the business. They want to continue to grow it. They want to get a second bite at the apple. And others, you know what? They're X number of years old. They're done. They're tired. They want to get out. And then others are, hey, I don't plan to ever leave this business. I'm going to die on the saddle and just let the next you know, group of people figure it out. I don't particularly like that one. I don't think that's kind of responsible for a business, uh, particularly for your, the employees, the community, and your family. But I get why people say that. Anyway, in terms of mindset, I think business owners are all over the place in terms of where they are, in terms of growth mode, to ultimately towards the end of that. I spend most of my time, the overwhelming majority of my time, at the latter portion. It's just where, where UBS, can, I think, can be of great help where we can help them think about things a little differently about themselves personally, about their emotions and about their legacy and about their family. We can help them think about things that they probably have no idea that UBS does. If they know about UBS, then they likely think of us as someone who does stocks and bonds. And that's true. We do that. That's table stakes, though. What we're trying to do is get the core group of advisors, and of course, Josh, you and Jason are certainly two of them and, and, you know, very high on my list. Uh, You know, I love what you guys do. But it's to think through things ahead of time so that you can hopefully create some process that might get you more for your business, whether more means more money or better terms. It could be, you know, keeping the factory in town or keeping, maybe allowing room for your son or daughter to continue within the business, even though there's a partner, whatever it may be. And then also doing more with those proceeds. So hopefully giving more to family and philanthropy type stuff. So that's a lot of what I focus on. So that's the most part of where I come into play. But I think a lot of people are, they think things very black and white. You know, I'm either in it or I'm not. I'm either in growth mode or I'm not. And if I go back to another podcast you did, which is with the authors of the book Exit Right, Mark and Mert, they are talking about startups, but having that annual exit conversation from the beginning and just bringing it in and integrating it into your plan. Because as soon as you take outside money, and this is something one of the things they say, as soon as you bring in an investor, your business is for sale. So if you're in the startup type venture backed mode, that's a really critical way to think about it. And even if you're not, even if you're just in a closely held business, at some point, you know, you will exit. One of the things that you know, I laugh from a compliance standpoint is you're not allowed to make promissory language in our industry. And one time I had a slide that said 
of business owners will exit their business eventually. And I got to, hey, you can't say 100% of anything. I'm like, actually, on this one, I can because everybody dies. And you're laughing, right? But everyone tried to take a step back. Yeah, that's right. Everybody will exit a business because even if they don't do it willingly, nature or God or whatever will make it happen. So I think people have that kind of a different personality and different point of view. And so I think it's our job as advisors to help them think through, okay, hey, you're in this mode right now. You're in growth mode, as an example. Let's take a step back and think about contingency planning or think about succession planning. Even if we're not executing anything, we're just talking about it. That's where I think we come into play. So those are some of the different mindsets. Then I think you mentioned some other ones, which is that's when you're in the business. You know, you want to make sure that, you know, at a certain point, particularly closely held business owners, where they are the entire business, they need to eventually transcend that and move into that they're a critical part of the business, but they're not the business. And what I mean by that is, you know, I talk to a business owner and they would say, hey, I'm the number one salesman at this place. Yeah, that's great. It helped build this great business. But when you sell this business, you know, you're not staying with it most likely, or you're only staying for a little bit. So you need to make sure that other people can manage the business. Other people can drive sales. Other people have the processes or the ideas in place so that, you know, the business can succeed for the new owner. So that's a mindset change that typically happens and sometimes can be difficult. And then it's, I'm out of the business. And that might be, I'm going to sit on the beach all day. I'm going to spend my time with my grandkids. I'm going to go do a new venture. We do philanthropy, whatever it may be. But there will be a time, you know, when you're not in this business. And that can be a challenge for some folks, not only the business owner, but maybe their spouse or even their kids. So I like to tell a lot of the clients I talk to that a business generally gives them three things. It's their time. You know, how do they spend their day? It's their social lives. So, you know, their friends are often made up as, you know, the people in the business or their partners or their vendors or and even their spouse's friends, right? And so a lot of people get worried about, will those friendships continue? And then it's their purpose. That's why they get out of bed every day. And those three things, time, social life, and purpose, those may be more likely, you know, and I have no statistics to prove this, but I wouldn't be surprised if those are a bigger driver of what kills deals rather than I think the business is worth 20 million and I'm only getting 19. Certainly those make a difference and, and the scoreboard does come into it. But at the end of the day, you know, a lot of business owners get really worried about what they're going to do with themselves. So we don't have an answer for those three things because those are very emotional, but we can talk to people about it. We can play like Socratic method, armchair psychologist, and just talk to them and helpfully some of those ideas come out, some of those consternations come out. Some of those things can be put into a financial plan, which I'm sure you, you know, you do a lot of, right, Josh? But some of them, it's just more about, hey, let's just talk about it. So that mode is a really important one. I think a lot of people diminish it. They'll get to it later. They'll think about it. But I think it's one of the, it's probably one of the more important ones. So hopefully I answered your question. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I say this all the time in our businesses. I mean, there's a lot of science to it, but there's a lot of art. There's a lot of art to it, you know, I mean, even on the investment side on portfolio construction and just like how behavioral finance kind of plays a role in constructing a portfolio for somebody. And when you're talking about the idea of selling your business that you have worked your rear end off on and you've made a lot of sacrifices and took a lot of risks, it's a big deal. And the idea shifting that mindset from like, 
I've got to control everything to decentralizing myself and make this company transferable so I can extract some of this liquidity out of this illiquid asset is a very important process mentally. And on that one, Josh, I don't do a lot on the investment side. I leave that to folks like you. But that's another mindset. You're going from kind of active income to passive income, investment income, real estate, stocks and bonds. That's a whole you know mindset because people think, on my business, I can control that. I think there's a, a lot of an illusion on that, personally. At any time, some crazy maniac sends off a missile or you know tries to do a coup in Russia or whatever, right? That changes the market. And that can impact your business. So even though you might think you're insulated from those things, it might impact the business, right? So, but you have more control over your business versus the stock market, as an example. So that's a mindset change for sure that a lot of people need to get over. And I know, you know, that's why you guys start thinking about how to try to mitigate as much of that as possible. But that's a difference. That's a whole change for folks. Right. Oftentimes, you know, when we're talking to business owners and entrepreneurs out there, they they are used to being the person in charge. They're used to being the boss. And then they've created a very successful company and they're super laser focused and they don't take the time to kind of think about and learn and understand what their options are until it's too late. They get the knock on the door. I mean, private equity companies are just, I mean, they're out there trying to source deals. So companies are getting called on over and over and over again. And so you made a comment, and I agree with you, like the Exit Planning Institute, they talk about exit planning is just good business. It's just good business sense. And to put something like, do we exit, yes or no, on the annual agenda is a good thing to think about. It's like, no, we're not exiting right now. We're going to take all this profit and we're going to dump it back into the company and accelerate this growth and get us up to the next sort of breakpoint level where we get actually a benefit, a multiple bump, just because of the size of where we're at versus where we are today. So we're accelerating the value because we're going to reinvest and that's where we are. And then once we get to that point, then we figure out what the next step is going to be. But I like the way you break it down, you know, between time, social and purpose. You know, we've all seen the statistics, you know, there's a pretty significant number of people that actually regret selling their company because they didn't really think about what life is going to be like afterwards. And so I think that's an important component of the decision process. But everybody knows about the baby boomers. There's a ton of them out there. A lot of them are business owners. And over the next five years, they're going to start wanting to spend more of their time with their family and friends and not so much at the office. So... Presumably. Presumably. Yeah. Getting. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, on that though, Josh, it's funny. So we were together in March at South by Southwest. We had all of this zeal on kind of startup culture and, and you had Silicon Valley Bank and that created, a, you know, a lot of consternation and trepidation and what was going on there. And then we have a, a mini banking crisis and then we get to May when you and I saw each other again. We were in Arizona at the Exit Planning Institute's annual summit. And they're a little different because it's less about kind of venture-backed companies, more about closely held businesses. And one of the things that they said that was interesting is a lot of focus on baby boomers. But they mentioned, you know, Chris Snyder, who runs uh, the Exit Planning Institute, he mentioned Gen Xers, right? And those individuals are about, you know, maybe let's say 50 years old right now. And while generically, stereotypically, baby boomers want to work until they die, 
Gen Xers might not necessarily want to do that. And so there's going to be an interesting shift where I think Gen Xers are going to start wanting to exit a bit more and they're going to become a huge focus of this kind of exit planning focus while still many baby boomers still hold businesses, right? And so if you're 50 years old and you want to be retired by 55 or go do something different, you know, that's a five-year exit window. And by the way, that's kind of very common for business owners. Okay, five years is probably about the, when you look at surveys. So now is the time to do that work. How do I get this business ready? How do I get in shape? Do I, what's going on in the market? How do I do all my planning, my tax planning, my estate planning, so that I can keep more for, you know, in, within family and the things I care about? So baby boomers, yes, we all talk about them, but I, that was the first time it really clicked you know what, hey, there's a generational change that is about to happen on the business owner side and it's to this next Gen Xers. You know, in 10, 15 years, we'll be talking about millennials. But in the meantime, I think we're going to have kind of this overlap of boomers and Gen Xers and that's going to create a lot of opportunity for, for people who want to buy businesses, a lot of opportunity for one, people who want to sell businesses and then private equity, what they're going to do. Maybe one last thing, I'll let you get back to it. But the reason why I'm optimistic about M&A in the lower middle market, that article in the Wall Street Journal I mentioned, yeah, that helps support it, that this space is being a little bit more resilient, but is that private equity continues to raise significant amounts of capital. They need to deploy that. They need to deploy that or they'll have to you know, give it back to investors. And so then they won't be able to raise their next fund and gather the fees. Like their livelihood is based on raising capital making investments, making strong investments and deploying that. So maybe that's a little bit of a dim view of humanity, but that is what is kind of moving me on that great businesses will find opportunities to, to transact. If you're a business owner who's got a great business, the survey that we did that's going to come out in a few weeks in July, our investor watch, 40% of them say, hey, you know, I regret not selling my business sooner during that 2021 phase. Well, there will be opportunities again. And we're seeing that and the headlines are disguising things. But if you've got a great business, do the work now. Talk to your advisors, bring people together, even if it's, you know, a six month process or a one year process or a five year process, start thinking about it and just start working on your business. And if you don't sell, if you're working on the business, hopefully that means better processes, which reduce costs, maybe things make your employees happier, that drives more productivity or maybe more revenue, right? And then, you know, so that's the good business sense of exit planning. Right. Now you brought up Investor Watch. You know, your group, the business owner segment, does a lot in terms of you know, research articles, white papers, podcasts, videos. Maybe you could share with the audience the stuff that you've been working on and, and what you're excited about. Maybe talk about like how you source these ideas and topics. Well, I think the big thing is we want to educate business owners and a lot of business owners have no idea about the value of their business. They haven't done the planning. They don't know what's going on in terms of the market. They're only talking to the people who are closest to them. So they're not seeing a macro view. That's where we want to educate and we want to inform. And when we have the ability, we're fortunate to be a national and actually a, a truly global company. We see activity in all different sectors, all different sizes, and all different places. And we have to share that. At UBS, we are 160 plus year institution in Switzerland and 160 plus institution in the United States from our time at Payne Weber. And now with the addition of Credit Suisse, you know, even more. And being a wealth manager, that means you work with entrepreneurs and business owners. In the United States, that's what drives 
wealth as being a business owner, being an entrepreneur. So it really behooves us to be helping people think through this key event. So that's the background, right? A little bit more background there. And so from that, okay, what are the questions? What are advisors hearing? How can we help tell those stories? And so everyone takes things differently. Some people want survey statistics. So, you know, we do the investor watch as an example. Some people want case studies or stories. So we will do papers. We, We did a great one called Flight Paths, which featured different entrepreneurs who built businesses, sold them, and then went on to do something entirely different. We wanted to show that whether you're 35 or you're 70 years old when you sell this business, there's a good chance you have a lot of time left. And so you can do some great things. You don't have to be frozen in place. Or we'll do short form videos, right? Some people, you know, you, everyone loves YouTube. We've got a lot of videos on YouTube, whether it's a short form video on what's going on in the market or maybe a, an interview with a business owner. So everyone consumes information a little differently. We've got 6,000 advisors here at UBS. So what's created a menu of things to choose from and then help them get that message out to many of their clients or, or prospects or their fellow teammates in the business planning, right? You know, Josh, you work with a lot of attorneys, investment bankers, and CPAs. So it's all bringing kind of all that ecosystem together. And so that is probably the majority of my work is coming up with that content and executing it for our advisors. Well, it's been real helpful for our team. I mean, we've, over the past few years, we started obviously this lightning in a bottle podcast series and have had a lot of fun doing that. We're working on bringing in some entrepreneurs to come in and have conversations and those that have exited, those that you know have not exited. That's what I love, Josh, about your podcast is you've got kind of some quote unquote insiders, right? People like me or investment bankers, whether they be UBS or otherwise. Then you've got people who are business owners who are thinking about or have exited so you get their stories. And then, you know, I go back to kind of that South by Southwest podcast, which was more kind of a fun and just what's going on. So you're getting a pulse of like the market. And so I really, you know, applaud you, Jason and Ross for what you guys are, you know, you do a lot for your clients, but you're kind of bringing you know, it out of the ivory tower to people, which I love. Yeah. I mean, and I started off the podcast, you know, we're grateful for your group and the work that you guys do because it gives us good stuff to relay to our network. And you know, I was thinking about it the other day. It's like we do these little short Zoom events that are like 30 minutes quick, you know, in and out. You know, we know business owners, entrepreneurs are super busy. So if we can do some quick, punchy, you know, 30 minute type of deals, we bring in a specialist, they get a little nibble into something. The podcast is a little longer form. These are going to last anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes, you know, so we do a little deeper dive. And then we recently started the Lightning in a Bottle Roundtable discussion series. So that's an in-person deal. We do a small kind of intimate deal where, you know, we have 12 to 15 guests in a room, literally a round table. At least it's been a round table <laughs> recently. And we bring in different people. So like, it's a great forum. Like people, like the feedback we're getting on that has been amazing because it's a smaller environment. People can ask questions and you get specialists, very specialists in there to answer questions. And it's less of a prescribed syllabus talking at you and it's more about see what's happening like fluidly yeah yeah only rule is no powerpoints are allowed (laughs) more of that please yeah i mean like we've all seen enough powerpoint slides in excel spreadsheets so just having these casual conversations is super helpful and one of the biggest 
value adds, I think, is the ability for these folks to talk to each other. I mean, that was huge, you know, where you get business owners to business owners talking to each other like, oh, yeah, I went through that. Or quality of earnings. Is that really that important? Oh, yeah. No, that's super important in the process. Or market analysis. Is that really important? Eh, maybe not. But somebody else says, in our case, actually, it was. You know, those are expensive things to do. So anyway, it's a lot of fun. James, I guess any parting thoughts here? We're towards the end of our show. Any typical challenges specifically now or anything that you would like to share? Well, I would say, you know, if you're a business owner listening to this, first of all, congratulations, because you do the cool stuff. So that's number one. Number two, I think if you are one of those people who is worried that or are worried that I missed the boat and I should have sold or all this, put that aside. This is time to, hey, take a breather. What stuff can you do now that you can be intentional about on your planning or on your business so that when maybe things do get a little bit better, you're ready to act, right? And that might be doing all of the planning work. Even if you don't execute any of it, you can do that planning work now because you do want to create separation and, and we're not going to get into it, but you want to create separation between doing some of the trust work and signing a letter of intent so that, you know, the, the from a tax standpoint, you can have two legs to stand on. Not that I give tax or legal advice, but talk to an expert there and they'll tell you what to do. Or, you know, and certainly our advanced planning individuals can, can help give ideas and thoughts on that. But that's stuff that takes time and requires, you know, a mindset. So work on that now. Get your business in shape. If you know, all of your ideas aren't on paper yet, or, you know, maybe you need to get a management team in place. This is a great time to work on that because now you kind of know what you need to do. So talk to people, figure out what's going on, and then start executing on that. You know, maybe in X number of weeks or months or, or years, when you are personally ready, and maybe the market is a little better for you at that time, then you can execute. So I'm hopeful. And I would say, don't sit on your laurels. Let, you know, let's get going. So work with us and some others to do it. So that's what, that's what I'm excited about. We got a bunch of stuff going to happen in the fall. And, you know, I think maybe this year when some rate stuff kind of settles down, you know, I think you're going to see some people who are ready to, to take bites. If you've seen it in the last few weeks here, there's been some big activity. You know, NASDAQ, you know, they got a $10 billion deal. There are going to be some big transactions you know, I think people have kind of waited a little bit long enough and you'll see some of those headlines turn a little bit more positive. I think I'm hopeful for it. Yep. We're queued up for a, another M&A report at the end of this year, probably November timeframe before Thanksgiving is the idea. We did that earlier this year to talk about how it started. So we'll report back on how it looks like it's ending. So Anyway, well, James, listen, I know you've got a busy schedule. So again, I'm grateful for to have you on the show here. Thanks for getting, being a good sport. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So anyway, well, that will wrap it up. Thank you, everybody. Take care. On behalf of our entire team here at ATX Wealth Partners, we hope you enjoyed this program. And if you have any questions or comments, feel free to email us at atxwealthpartners at ubs.com. And remember this, know your options, be informed, and plan early. Until next time, take care and be well.